You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Tuesday to you. It's time to tackle the tough questions when it comes to the Buffalo Bills defensive line entering 2021. And I love talking defensive line. It's the position group that I feel like I know the best. And um, I just love it, right? Whenever I'm watching college prospects, I start with defensive linemen. I want to see all of them before I look at another position. So I love talking D-line. And so we're going to have some fun here today on the podcast. We've got several very good, tough questions to tackle But before we get there, I want to mention a couple of numbers here and just give you a few opening thoughts here as it relates to the Bills' defensive line and tying together some things from last year as well. So last year, there was a lot of disappointment over this group, the most expensive defensive line in football, and the pass rush didn't seem to be super effective, and the run defense was okay. At times, it held its own, right? You think about the Raiders game and the Titans game even the Colts and the Ravens in the playoffs. But I think for the most part, the general consensus is a level of disappointment with this group last year. Now, one thing that I've mentioned several times in the podcast, and I think people are generally aware of, from a pressure perspective, the Bills defensive line did quite well. The pressure rate that they were able to generate was 36.9%. So on 36.9% of the passing attempts that the Bills defense faced last year, they were able to apply pressure on the quarterback. That's sixth best in the NFL. And if you remember our conversations that we have previewing each upcoming game, what I talk about in every single one of those podcasts is pressure rate and how it affects the opposing quarterback that the Bills are facing. And it's tried and true. Quarterbacks are worse substantially worse when they're pressured compared to when they're kept clean. And so from a pressure perspective, the Bills did pretty good generating pressure. They just didn't get enough sacks. Now, another metric to point out as it relates to last year's pass rush, pass rush win rate. It's an ESPN metric, and it is a metric that identifies the frequency in which a pass rusher beats their block in less than two and a half seconds. And the Bills were second in the NFL at this, 52%, just behind the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think Washington was the only team besides the Bills and the Steelers that were above 50% in pass rush win rate. So again, another metric that affirms the Bills generated a lot of pressure. They just didn't finish with a lot of sacks. And when you think about the players they were able to add to This unit, Gregory Rousseau, Carlos Basham, F.A. Obata, there's a lot of length there. You have guys that are finishers, guys that have that tackle radius to finish and bring down the quarterback. And they're the style of players that reduce pass rush angles. What do I mean by that is basically the opposite of Trent Murphy. Remember watching Trent Murphy rush the passer for the last couple of years with the Bills, and he gets so far up the field and he has to do this loopy, elongated turn to get beyond the offensive tackle. And by that point, the quarterback has either gotten rid of the football or 
has noticed the wonderful lane that Trent Murphy gave them to step forward and, and release the pocket to the right because there's no contain, right? So when you can reduce rush angles where you can threaten that outside hip of the offensive tackle and press and lean into that angle and reduce the track that it takes to get to the quarterback, you are going to have a lot more success affecting the quarterback because not only are you compromising the width of the pocket, you're really kind of closing things around that quarterback. That's what we mean by compression-style rushers. But you're also taking a shorter track, right? It's a shorter distance to get to the quarterback as opposed to that long, loopy, elongated course to the quarterback. And so I think the Bills were very deliberate about prioritizing length and finishers and guys that can reduce rush angles to be more successful at finishing at the quarterback. Now, the next thing that's interesting as we start this conversation regarding the Bills' defensive line entering 2021 is who they're going to roster. Because the Bills have a lot of really good players, right? Defensive ends and defensive tackles that you want to be on this roster. Well, I think they're going to keep 10. And they did last year. They kept 10 for almost the entire season. And they actually dressed nine players on game day for the most part, all season long. Last year, it was Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Trent Murphy, A.J. Epinesa, Daryl Johnson, Quentin Jefferson, Ed Oliver, Justin Zimmer, uh, Harrison Phillips, and Vernon Butler. This year, I think you're looking at probably Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, A.J. Epinesa, Greg Rousseau, Carlos Basham, Starla Tulele, Ed Oliver, uh, Vernon Butler, Harrison Phillips, and then I think F.A. Obata has a really good chance of making this football team. Now, it becomes a little bit dicey with the numbers, but sometimes these things take care of themselves with an injury. And um, if nothing else, you have really good competition throughout the defensive end group that you should get the best version of everyone, and it should make the group even better. So there's a lot of options. We know they're going to rotate. But I wouldn't be worried about the numbers because last year the Bills kept 10 defensive linemen and they dressed nine on game days, and I expect the same to happen again in 2021. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can drag all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. And check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's get into your questions that were sent in regarding this Bills defensive line. The first one today comes from Patrick. Patrick says, No Bills defensive player had more than five sacks last season. Is that a matter of an inability to finish tackles, or is it simply a lack of opportunity due to the heavy defensive line rotation? So let's get into some information on this. Number one, you make a good point about the rotation. Snaps matter a lot when it comes to getting sacks, right? You have to be on the field with some level of frequency, to have enough opportunity to get sacks. 
And when you look at the Bills' three pass rushers that were on the field the most for them last year, it's Jerry Hughes with 370 pass rush snaps. Ed Oliver and Mario Addison were both on the field for 368, and then Quentin Jefferson at 353. So where did that rank among the entire NFL when it comes to defensive ends and defensive tackles? Jerry Hughes at 370, 65th in the NFL when it comes to pass rush snaps. Ed Oliver and Mario Addison come in at 69th, and Quentin Jefferson, 78th. So that is something that works against the Bills' defensive line when you're looking for the volume of sacks coming from any one individual player. They're not really on the field that much. I mean, Jerry Hughes, the most frequent participant in pass rush snaps for the Bills last year at 370, was the 65th most in the NFL. That's unreal, right? Let's take this a step further. 30 different players in the NFL last year had 50 total pressures on the quarterback. One of them was Jerry Hughes. 30 different players had 50 total pressures or more on the quarterback last year, with one of them being Jerry Hughes. The average amount of pass rush snaps of those 30 players was 468. Jerry Hughes had 370. So he had 100 less snaps below the average of the 30 players that had at least 50 total pressures on the quarterback last year. It's pretty crazy. Number one, that speaks to Jerry Hughes and his pass rush efficiency. But number two, that it's going to be challenging for a lot of these Bills players to post gaudy sack numbers because we know they're going to rotate. So this prompted me to take a look at Sean McDermott defenses dating back to Carolina and Buffalo. So 2011 through 2020, a pretty big sample size, to find all of the double-digit sack seasons. And over that span, there were five. 2013, Greg Hardy, he had 15 sacks. 2012, Charles Johnson, 12 and a half sacks. 2015, Kawan Short had 11 sacks. 2013, Charles Johnson had 11 sacks. And 2012, Greg Hardy had 11 sacks. I think the Bills, when they went out and got Rousseau and Basham and Epinesa, they figured that between those three players, they can get their Greg Hardy and Charles Johnson. Because those are the pass rushers that have had the most success for Sean McDermott. Those types of pass rushers. Long arms, heavy hands, compression style rushers. I think they wanted to find their modern-day duo of Hardy and Johnson. So Sean McDermott is capable of coaching up defenses that get a lot of sacks. He had a Carolina Panthers defense that had over 60. But from 2011 to 2020, a 10-year sample size of Sean McDermott defenses, only five double-digit sack seasons. And of those, four came in two seasons, right? 2012-2013, Carolina Panthers had two double-digit sack players. The most sacks in Buffalo under Sean McDermott was 2019, Jordan Phillips, nine and a half. Then after that, it's Jerry Hughes in 2018. He had seven. So I'll take it a step further. In that same span, 2011 through 2020, there has only been a total of 10 individual seasons that resulted in seven or more sacks 
for a Sean McDermott pass rusher. So that should help us have the right expectation for all of these pass rushers. They just might not be on the field enough to reach double-digit sacks. Next one today comes from Alex. Alex says, more of an observation than a question. Based on statistics, Star Latulule appears to be far more important to defensive success than Bills fans give him credit for. When he left Carolina in 2018, their defense dropped from 8th in DVOA to 23rd, 9th in yards per game to 20th, and 13th in points per game to 20th. Similarly, when he opted out for the Bills in 2020, our defense dropped from 7th in DVOA to 12th, 4th in yards per game to 17th, and 2nd in points per game to 14th. Obviously, there are other factors playing into these statistics, but it seems like Starr's absence has directly led to two defenses taking a step back. I also think Starr's absence made Ed Oliver's and Tremaine Edmonds' jobs harder, and I think it is fair to say both of those players regressed in 2020. Do you think Starr coming back will have a noticeable effect on the defense, and will Oliver and Edmonds be put in a better position to succeed with Starr on the field, or... Are my expectations too high? No, I think you've identified something that is very true. Star Latule makes defenses better. Because for both of those teams, whether it was the Panthers team that you mentioned in 2018 or the Bills last year, both of those teams really lacked a serviceable one technique. And when you're talking about four three defenses and you know, even fronts and what you want your skill sets to be on the line of scrimmage defensively, you have to have that one technique player. And when he left in 2018, the Carolina Panthers were left with Kawan Short, who is a phenomenal three-tech, and Vernon Butler as their one-tech. And we all know Vernon Butler has been a disappointment for, for his entire career. Then last year, it was a very similar situation. He leaves, and you have Ed Oliver and Vernon Butler, but it wound up really being Quentin Jefferson to play that one technique role. So... The absence of having a true one-tech for both defenses negatively impacted the defensive line as a whole, but also the linebackers. Because you are counting on your defensive line fitting the run appropriately when you're a linebacker. Tremaine Edmonds has to trust that that one technique is going to hold his spot, is not going to allow jump through blocks so that he can trigger downhill process and fill, right? Like there's so much that matters by having that one guy who's doing what he's supposed to do, doing his 111th against the run so that the other 10 players in the field can do what they need to do. There is a domino effect on this. So yes, it should make Tremaine Edmonds more effective, and it should make Ed Oliver more effective because he has that guy next to him that's going to allow him to play a little bit more free, to be a little bit more aggressive shooting gaps because you know you have that reliable a-gap defender in place in Star Latule. So Star Latule has kind of been a very hotly debated player since he signed with the Bills. Remember the five-year, $50 million contract. And then, you know, you're thinking, okay, $10 million a year defensive tackle, he should make some plays. Well, his impact doesn't show up in the box score. Never has. But I think it's sometimes hard for us to disconnect, all right, $10 million defensive tackle, Where are the tackles for loss? Where are the sacks? But I do think last year was a good reminder of how his skill set affects 
the defense as a whole, and it doesn't necessarily come in the form of tackles, tackles for loss, and sacks. The next one today comes from Vin. Vin says, the Bills have invested a lot in the defensive line this offseason with Obata, Rousseau, and Basham notably. If you could be predictive while also considering Starr's return and the hopeful further development of Oliver and Epinesa, what are your expectations this year? Do you think it will be better regardless? I'm hopeful it will be enough to get over the Kansas City hump. So you asked for my expectations, and when I thought this through, I wrote down eight things that I expect to happen this year regarding the Buffalo Bills defensive line. Number one, for there to be plenty of rotation. They have 10 players that are going to be tough to keep off the field, right? Nine, they'll probably dress. Ten, they'll roster. Somebody's going to be inactive. But I think they want guys to be fresh, to come in and be able to impact the game. We are going to see a lot of players play 25, 30, 35% of the snaps. You're not going to see a lot of players that are going to challenge for 60, 70% of the snaps. If anyone is going to do that, I think it could be Ed Oliver, right? We've seen Kawan Short under McDermott push for 70% of the snaps. Now, if Oliver can prove to be a difference maker and affect the game even greater than he has in his first two seasons, he's going to be the toughest guy to take off the field in my mind. So if somebody's going to push for 65 70% of the snaps, I think it's Oliver. But for the most part, my number one expectation is for there to be plenty of rotation. Number two, for Obata and Basham to play a decent amount of interior reps. You know, last year we heard Brandon Bean talk about A.J. Epinesa as a player they would reduce and play inside from time to time, which at the time it was a take that I questioned because that's not really what he did at Iowa, and I didn't think he was that type of player that would be an interior-type defender with any level of frequency. And then I think throughout the course of the season, they learned that that's just not his game. But when it comes to Obata and Basham, I do think their skill set warrants those looks on the interior. And I think you can have some really fun rush groupings with Oliver and Obata and Basham and then Epinesa or Rousseau or Hughes or Addison. Like You can do a lot of really fun things with the bodies you are throwing at the quarterback because you have so much versatility with pass rushers that can rush from the inside and outside with, to me, the headliners being Obata and Basham. Number three, for Ed Oliver to take a major step forward. And I'm going to talk a bit more about that in the next segment, but this is the year for Ed Oliver to prove he can affect the game and be an impact playmaker for the Bills' defense. Number four, for Starla Tulele's presence to be felt. Touched on that in the last question, but I think his return to the lineup will be something we can feel. Number five, for Vernon Butler to continue to disappoint. My expectations for Vernon Butler are very low. Anything that he gives this team that's a positive is something I'm not expecting. I just I continue to be very underwhelmed with him as a football player, and um, I'm not expecting on him finding his game this year, right? Like maybe that's been something for the last several years where you're waiting for Vernon Butler to play like the first round pick that he was drafted to be and maximize his size and athleticism. I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm not counting on it. Number six, for Justin Zimmer to make it really difficult to leave off the roster. 
And so I think the Bills will keep four defensive tackles. Star Latule, Ed Oliver, and then probably Harrison Phillips, and then probably Vernon Butler, and that kind of leaves Justin Zimmer as that odd man out. But, man, I think he is going to really make it difficult to keep him off the 53. Number seven, for Harrison Phillips to have his best season. Right, He's further removed from the ACL injury. He played really well in the playoffs last year. He's in a contract year. I think the Bills get the very best of Harrison Phillips this year. And then number eight, I have for Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes to play less early down snaps in hopes that they are fresh for the money downs. So as part of this rotation, I hope it means Addison and Hughes having to defend the run less so they can rush the passer more and do it while they are fresher. So those are my eight expectations for the Bills' defensive line in 2021. Did you know that Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is literally something for everyone. Coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream. These things are all delicious. My favorite is the cookies and cream, but I can always go for a raspberry. I can always go for one of the orange bars. I love the coconut. I mean, so many delicious flavors. And maybe you don't know where to start. If you haven't tried all the flavors, or maybe you just want to try Bilt Bars, but you don't know which one to get, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. And not only are Bilt Bars the best tasting protein bars on the planet, they're super healthy. Check out these macros, 17 to 18 grams of protein. The calories range from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. The flavors are amazing. They're all tasty, and they're all healthy. Super cool that Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So I love that. And folks, if you want to try Built Bars, I've got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and it'll get you 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. We got a few more questions to get to here today. The next one comes from Carlin. Carlin says, was wondering which of our three young defensive ends, A.J. Epinesa, Greg Rousseau, and Carlos Boogie Basham, do you think will make the biggest impact in the 2021 season? I think you are spot on in saying that Rousseau and Basham are perhaps more projects than immediate difference makers. And while it looked like Epinesa started to find his stride late in 2020, I think he still has a ways to go in his development. Curious what your thoughts are, and thanks in advance for your response. So yes, I do agree that I have said that Rousseau is a bit of a project. And you know what I mean by that is for him to reach his ceiling, I think he's going to take some time, right? He's going to have to get a little stronger, develop his technique, get more time on task at defensive end. But I don't think that means he can't come in and help the football team, right? Maybe he plays 20, 25% of the snaps, but... He makes an impact in that amount of time, but it's not overly noticeable because he doesn't have the volume of snaps quite yet because he's not there yet to warrant and really claim that type of market share when it comes to the snap distribution. Now, I don't think that Basham is as much of a project. I think he's a lot more ready to come in day one and help this defense, uh, particularly as a run defender, a guy that can squeeze gaps, plays with a lot of energy, super strong at the point of attack. Uh, loose and slippery off of the edges of blocks. Like I think he has a better chance to me of making noise in year one, but you know, they drafted Rousseau in the first round. You know they're gonna want to showcase this talent. It feels like Bean has been defensive of the idea that Rousseau 
can help the team in year one. You've heard really positive remarks coming from Coach McDermott and Leslie Frazier about how they've been so far to this point after you know the OTAs and what they've shown to this point in the process. So we'll learn a lot when the pads come on, and I can't wait to watch these guys in preseason. But I think Basham might actually play more and make more of an impact this year. Now, of the three, Epinesa is the guy that has a year under his belt in the system. He has a year of being coached by Eric Washington. He spent a lot of time getting his body to the point where the Bills want it to be and where he's comfortable executing. And so I think all of that is going to give him the advantage. So of those three players, Epinesa, Russo, Basham, I think Epinesa is the one that makes the biggest impact this year. Next one comes from Todd. Todd says, my question is regarding the size difference at defensive end from past to present. Nowadays, when I look at defensive ends, they seem smaller, leaner, and almost like a linebacker. Comparing past players like Bruce Smith to what we have now, Bruce was power and technique. With today's players, it seems like defensive ends have transitioned away from strength or powering through an offensive line and focus more on speed. Back in the day, defensive ends were always a position of discussion. Now it seems like it's just there. Am I wrong? What are your thoughts? I would say that I, I kind of disagree with you. And I didn't initially, Todd, when I read your, your submission at first, I'm like, yeah, I think he's got something here. And then I started to look into it. And, you know, Bruce Smith, he looks really big, right? He, like you remember seeing him play football and what he looked like in that Bills uniform. But he was 6'4", 265. That's pretty much on par with the size of pass rushers, edge rushers, defensive ends today. In fact, he's smaller than a lot of guys. Joey Bosa, 6'5", 280. Miles Garrett, 6'4", 272. Uh, Brad Chubb, 6'4", 275. Chase Young, 6'5", 264. Right there, the same size. Carlos Dunlap, 6'6", 285. You know, so I think that they just looked bigger in those pads, right? Like big, unnecessarily large shoulder pads. The jerseys weren't quite cut and trim and fit to the players like they are today, you know, back then. So I think that's more more than anything. It's kind of like optics, just visualization. But in reality, I'm, I don't think they're any smaller. Now, I do think defensive end is a position where guys come in a variety of of sizes, right? I just talked about all those, you know, bigger defensive ends, but I mean, you've got guys like Yannick Ngakwe and Leonard Floyd and Brian Burns, Hassan Reddick. Heck, Jerry Hughes is 6'2", 254. Aaron Schobel, who was an awesome run defender. We always talk about him as a pass rusher and how he good he was in that regard, but he was like in the 240s and he might've been the best run-stopping defensive end in the game during his stretch for a while there. So, I think it is something where I understand why you would come to the conclusion that you did, but in reality, it's a position where there's a lot of variation in size and there's a lot of different body types that work in the NFL at defensive end or, you know, three, four outside linebacker. Now, I do think it is still a major position of discussion. I mean, you're seeing defensive ends picked high every year, Chase Young. The Bosa's, Khalil Mack, Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney. I mean, these guys, if you are a dynamic pass rusher with athleticism, size, length, I mean, you're going to be a top five pick. This year, there's a guy, Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. 
you know, I think those types of players are always going to be at a premium and they're always going to go high in the draft. So I want to leave you with one thought here. And I've alluded to this a couple times on the podcast, but this Bills defensive line, for as much as we talk about Star Latule coming back and Greg Rousseau is a first-round pick, Boogie Basham being part of this mix, veterans and Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, A.J. Epinesa with his body transformation and how he can help the team this year. I think the key to this group is that Oliver. He's the guy that I think has the best chance to become a superstar. When Sean McDermott was asked about Ed Oliver and expectations for him this year, he said, we expect him to affect the game. He's a top pick. He's here to affect the quarterback and affect the game. We need him to develop into a consistent performer for us. And he's worked hard this offseason to put himself in the position to do what I just mentioned. I have very high expectations for Ed Oliver this year. I want him to be a dynamic, penetration-style three-technique that makes plays behind the line of scrimmage, that's quick off the ball, that is just hell for guards to deal with because he's got that type of quickness. He's got that type of flexibility. He has that dynamic first step. He has all the tools to be really difficult to block and really compromise the depth of the pocket on passing downs and get into the backfield on rundowns. To me, he's the guy that can make the difference in this defensive line being okay or slightly above average to being a dynamic group. And with Star Latule being back, that should help a lot. Now, I do want to point out something that I've mentioned on the podcast before because I've fallen victim to this. I've heard other people fall victim to this as well. We, we make excuses for Ed Oliver last year by saying, you know, he played nose technique. He played out of position. He was a one-tech. He's a three-tech. Why He was playing all this one-tech. That's not true. He, he didn't play one-tech nearly at all last year. According to Pro Football Focus, 36 of Ed Oliver's 578 snaps, or 6.2% of the snaps, he lined up in the A-gap as a one-technique. 542 of those 578 were from the B-gap or wider in terms of alignment. He didn't play one tech. He didn't play nose tackle. Now, Quentin Jefferson did, and Vernon Butler did. But I will say this, like, he was not impacted because of alignment, but I do think because it was Quentin Jefferson and it was Vernon Butler as the one technique, it still impacted him. So there is something to say about that, but claiming that Ed Oliver played one tech last year, just it just wasn't true. But I think everything is ripe for Ed Oliver. Year three, the right players around him, same defensive scheme, second season being coached by Eric Washington. The Bills have a decision to make on his fifth-year option after this season. I mean, it's all right there. And he's the guy that can take the biggest leap forward and change this defense more than anyone else. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I got my eye on him. And I'm not trying to like put him on blast or put him on notice or anything like that. I think Ed Oliver's been a reasonable player to this point. I think he's been a very good pass rusher. But now it's time for that impact to be even greater and for him to become a difference maker for this Bills defense. If that happens, man, this defense has a really high ceiling in 2021. 
All right, folks, that's going to do it for us today here on the podcast. Tomorrow is herd mentality. We're going to get to linebackers and in, in the secondary as well when it comes to this Bills defense. So if you have tough questions for me to tackle regarding any of those position groups, go ahead and send them in, and uh, we'll get them saved up for when those episodes drop in the coming weeks. As always, I kindly ask that you share, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Have a great day, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.